can I offer a contrarian take on uh, like the cable bundle and ESPN specifically? That's what we're here for. I I think they're uh, you know the fee that every cable subscriber has to pay. Like I think aren't they the highest? Like seven or eight bucks. That's what that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think they're the the highest channel charge of of any of the channels you get in a standard cable package. Yeah, so I think that might be too high. So this Sunday, like I drag my out of shape body to the gym and I put on ESPN because I need something to to stare at like passively as I'm running because I unlike you, I can't listen to a podcast at the same time. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry you're missing out. <sighs> We've talked about that at length and, and <laughs> I can't tell if that's either a defect or like a superhuman ability. On your part. Maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of both. So. It's a it's a gray area. Yeah, it's like you're like uh, I'm like I'm like the sixth Avenger. Who who's the lamest superhero? Um, I'm not really a big Spider-Man fan. Don't don't at me, but I'm just not I'm not super into Spider-Man. Okay, well you you can be podcast runner. Um. <laughs> So yeah, so I, I put on ESPN generally because it's either that or I just turn on MSNBC and I just get really mad. So that's 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 not productive. So anyway, so it's a Sunday night and ESPN's prime time like flagship programming. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guess what it is on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Well, what time is this? Uh, it's around six thirty Pacific in the true uh-huh. time zone. Okay, well, so in, in a couple of weeks, this would have been the Sunday night baseball slot. So they're kind of filling that time until baseball season starts. But what would they fill it with? Did, did they still do like the 30 for 30 thing? Uh, no, that's strictly podcast now. Okay. I'm kidding. But, uh, but no, ESPN2 is always 30 for 30 reruns. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, have, I have no idea. So it's cornhole. Oh, I heard about this. It was like some like championship, right? It's it's middle aged men throwing bean bags uh, in seven twenty p. Have you ever ever played cornhole? I've not. Everybody's oh, it's, it's fun. Everybody's riding and uh, cornholing, but Buster. <laughs> but I, no, I have not played that. It's fun. It's fun. You should you should try it. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's prime time television worthy. I mean, remember when poker was a big thing on ESPN? Well, that's so that, that's what I was going to bring it up. So, like, I I think maybe maybe I'm in a wrong to judge, and maybe ESPN is still like the crown jewel of Disney. But like, yeah. But when did like nobody thought poker was going to be a thing? But then, like in like 2005, it was just everywhere, and it was like thought to be like a legitimate sport. Do you know that in the the 2024 Olympics, which are going to be in Paris, they're considering adding esports as an Olympic sport? Ugh. I, I think that is a. I know. I know that's the initial reaction, but it is. It, it is kind of. I don't know. It, it's a. It's a complicated thing. I. I, I think. No, because it's not. No, because then no. Okay, I'm going to take a hard stance on this. No, because not. It's not a physical feat. Because at that point, before that happens, then chess should be an Olympic sport. Like, because because I, I get that, like I totally agree, or like I will, I will. You could take it as read that esports has some level of talent in it, whether like whether it's moving on, but it's not like a physical. That's what the Olympics are, like proving like you are the best, like putting the best a country has to offer at a specific physical task and being really good at uh 
Call of Duty. What what what, what is esports? What's what's the one that they fill arenas with when people are playing that thing? Um. Well, there's there's a few of them. Like League of Legends and Dota are two big ones. Okay. Uh, um. They've, the, the the Olympic Committee, though, has said that they're not going to allow any sort of violent video game. So it's kind of unclear as to what, like, what the options are. Because you could define violence in a lot of different ways, especially in video games. Well, yeah, so then at that point, what is it? Like, it's just going to be people playing SimCity? Yeah, I, I, I might watch that. Mm, that would take too long. But <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so ESPN needs, needs to get it together. I I watch very little ESPN. I I I'm sure we've brought the, I think we we have brought this up before, but if even just 3 or 4 years ago you would have told me that I would now watch almost no ESPN, I would be very surprised by that. But but I really don't. It's really just the occasional NBA game that I watch on there now and and that's about it. And Scott Van Pelt sometimes, he's pretty good. Well, yeah, so they replaced him where he does the 9 o'clock Sports Center, which is usually it, it's usually on when I'm at the gym, and he, and he is better because he's he's got good personality and he's not the usual, like because you know how everybody tries to do this. Like, every, do you remember when Stuart St- uh, Scott got big in like the yeah. early two thousands, mm-hmm. right? And then literally everybody tried to do the whole like a uh, uh, booyah and like tried to like do like the over the top, like because he, only he could do the calls in a certain like savvy is the wrong word. No, he had a, he had a certain kind of style and swagger to him swagger but, there we go right and then everybody's trying to do that it's just you, you can't do that right mm-hmm. no I, I think i think that's that's totally right yeah um so anyway yeah so i i uh, like i i do agree that like if espn has to choose either hockey or cornhole cornhole does win but that's they, they need to figure that out you know, we're going to um, Las Vegas this weekend to watch the, the Sharks play the Knights. Are the Knights the new Vegas team? They are. Mm-hmm. Is the, this uh, the first season? The, it is, yeah, at the T-Mobile Arena. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making that up. It's the T-Mobile Arena. I'll, 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 take some, I'll take some pictures for you. Just combining so many of your favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got to move on, but mm-hmm. literally, those are my three least favorite things: <laughs> Las Vegas, oh. <laughs> hockey. And have you have you been to Las Vegas yet? Absolutely not. And if and if and if I can do any, if I if my life goes right, I never will. Well, this is um, I mean, if this is too personal, cut it out. But um, I, there was one point where I feel like you were sending me like hotel options for Las Vegas, where you were like considering going or something. Because you, because you, re, you remarked, you remarked at how much cheaper the hotel rooms were Sunday through Thursday night as compared. to Oh Friday and no, Saturday. I think I think I heard something on a podcast about it, or like, mm. or something. People were talking about like how expensive it is. Maybe there was some conference, or maybe I was looking like it was like you know CES weekend or something, and I was like, oh, how much does it cost to go to Vegas in the middle of the year? But I, I would never go. I, I even told you the thing about when I went to Lake Tahoe once, and I was bummed that I actually accidentally stepped foot in Nevada. No, when did that happen? Like two years ago, I was just like, oh, I forgot that the state line is there. I'm like, oh, I didn't go my whole life without going to Nevada. <laughs> yeah, but n- no Las Vegas. Which, so which, which states have you not offended on this show? It's not a... F- it, Nevada, well, Nevada's... I just really disagree with uh, Las Vegas. And not even like suburban Las Vegas, but it's Las Vegas, Las Vegas. I just... 
I don't I don't like gambling. I don't like smoking. I don't like that type of culture. You don't like you don't you don't like excessive heat. Yeah, like I don't know, just Las Vegas doesn't sound like a pleasant place, man. Like if if you want like entertainment and culture, like there, there are places like LA and New York and stuff. But like it just it doesn't seem like fun. This seems gross. It's it's a really good time for between 48 and 60 hours one to two times a year. Yeah. But now now that they've got hockey there, that's that's a big perk. And it's like right T-Mobile Arena is like right there on the strip. So that's that's kind of nice. You keep saying those words. The oh, the, the T-Mobile Arena? I'm going to have to I wonder if they light it up I'm... in I bet they light it up in magenta. I bet they do. <laughs> After you post the show, I'm going to I'm going to edit it and I'm going to put bleeps every time you said that. <laughs> it's got kind of a pinkish um hue to it already. It's got kind of this reflective outside that's that's kind of pink. But I bet at night they light it up like bright. No, I'm sorry, not mag- magenta, not pink, sorry. Yeah, I bet they do. You know they they claim a a copyright to the color magenta like when you look at their advertising materials. Yeah, that was an unforceable trademark or copyright. <laughs> right. They tried litigating that before and it didn't work. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. You know, you know that they have the best and fastest 4G network, right? That's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah. No, everything's about 5G now though. Nobody cares about 4G. Mhm. You think are we going to mess up the 5G naming like we did 4G? Are we going to have like a 4G LTE situation again? No, I think we're 6 uh we're 6 months away from AT&T just one day pushing out a carrier update that your iPhone 10 just says uh 5G on it and it, it's just <laughs> vaguely faster 4G. Uh what a mess. That was good times when everybody got that overnight upgrade on their iPhone 4. Mm-hmm. Was it the 4 or the 4S? I don't remember, but I I I remember that happening. Yeah, good times. Mm-hmm. Words don't mean anything, and facts don't matter. No, not yeah. in 2018. No, no, not even 1999. Wasn't that the tagline of the Drew Carey show, or the whose line is it anyway thing? I don't know if that was a tagline, but that was something that they used often to describe the show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was a good, that was a good show. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know if I don't know if it's era. Aged, yeah I don't know if it's aged very well I don't I don't think I'd want to go back and like ruin my memory of that well that's a thing that's where I think uh, what I was talking about last week where I think I ruined it with The Office where I think it had its time and place but a lot of it it just doesn't hold up right yeah but some some things definitely do oh like um, Legends of the Hidden Temple that very much holds up I'm going to google what that is have you not you didn't watch that oh, i don't it? know it was what a, that is i'm not even i'm not even feigning ignorance Let's no it, it was a temple. it was a game show on uh, nickelodeon it was great and we've we, we've pulled up some youtube clips of that um in recent years and it's it's pretty good hosted by kirk fogg uh-huh <laughs> yeah that's a cool name <laughs> it is a, it's a great name Do, that's, that's a that's hold mr fogg to you <laughs> or actually well on this show it'd be just kirk <laughs> <laughs> our esteemed colleague kirk so hold right. on well here's the thing so he's 58 years old <laughs> sorry he's married to rosemary fogg i don't know why it's funny because it has two g's oh really oh that's fun <laughs> but what was i gonna what i was gonna say is if he's no longer hosting game shows that that's a good uh uh meteorologist name he can totally be on abc7 oh, with that name he could <laughs> if dallas reigns is ever involved in a scandal or <laughs> something happens uh kirk fogg can step right in johnny mountain gets into a bar fight he can mm-hmm. you know yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah oh man 
<laughs> Mr. Mountain is my dad's name. <laughs> okay. Follow up? Uh, yeah, let, let's, let's let's get into some real stuff here. Oh, it's already a mess. Okay. Um, God, so, we, have, we, we have so much follow up. Oh. Yeah, but we have no actual show, though. So that's okay. Okay. Because we're going to cut all, all the stuff where you're mad. I probably get really angry about the Apple event today. Because people don't like it when you're mad. Or pe- again, people think you're the nice guy. Yeah, well, so, but that's that's what makes my anger that much more effective, is people don't expect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they know that I reserve it for the, the truly outrageous things. Uh, oh, yeah, that's why you were so mad about the 6 million undocumented votes for Crooked Hillary. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Apple Pay is now available at the Safeway near me after uh, a very long discussion we had last week where it wasn't available. Um, I just tried it on a whim, and it, the, the point-of-sale systems are like the little... Uh, the credit card reader thing still it just says uh swipe or uh insert your card it doesn't actually say it uh but i just noticed the road like you know how sometimes when it's um a terminal is tap to pay enabled it has like the three little dots that kind of yeah imply that some type of reader could be working right yeah so that's uh that's why i tried it and hey it works so yeah, cool. it, that's that's what I was trying to get out last week, where it it was a, a very under-the-radar rollout. Like, had it not been for just that little weak stretch where my local Safeway was advertising that they now accepted it, I would have never known. Very, very strange. Yeah. Uh, also, going off of last week, um, I have double... Oh, this is going to be kind of a, a short but vaguely interesting story. I'm doubling down on Echo Spot. So I you brought... I don't know if this was on the show or in text chat, but uh, you had mentioned that the Echo Spot, if you bought two of them, yeah, you got forty, uh, you got 40 off. bucks off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, I was like, eh, I'm pretty, pretty satisfied with it, and I did want, like, I did enjoy having a uh, an Echo with a screen in my bedroom for like seeing uh, like alarm clock times and stuff. Uh, but I really wanted one for the kitchen, just because kitchen timers, like, it's just I don't enjoy asking. Uh, the echo how much is left on the timer and using the echo app itself is just a non-starter because it's just so slow and weird um so having the screen is really useful so i'm like yeah i want a second one so i emailed amazon support and just was like hey is there any way to actually get this deal um because i'm still within the return window but i like it seems unnecessary to like return it um and they're like no you have to you have to return it and then buy two more here's the shipping label and i'm like all right so that, that that was kind of a bummer, but no, I got two of them, and the same day shipping worked this time. Um, and yeah, they're 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 pretty good. And so you know, get, cut this part out too if it's too personal. But so where where are these located? Are these are these both in the bedroom? Is it like one in the bedroom, one in the kitchen? Oh, so so I have three echoes. So I have one of the echo spots in the bedroom on my bedside table next to the to the Apple Watch charger that looks like a Mac. Um, on top of my like uh my cork uh container glass thing oh that's not um, the that's not the wood stump no so uh in the kitchen because there's no good place to put it where it's like the echo spot wouldn't get splattered on like you know when, you, when you're cooking i do yeah no I, cooking cooking's a, a messy exercise when i'm involved <laughs> so yeah like i didn't want to put it just on like counter level so i have like this glass thing uh full of just like uh, random corks and I just have it set up on top of that and then on the wooden stump I have the OG uh, oh that's tall, right mm-hmm. the tall cylinder echo yeah the, the, the lady in a can mm-hmm. the traditional one yeah yeah mm-hmm. the one that the one that kicked, like, started it all mine is currently glowing red at me because I have it muted you think it's red okay 
What do you think it is? It's orange. Oh, it's most definitely red. It's not, though. So what color is a tennis ball? Green or yellow? <sighs> That's complicated, but I would, lean, I would lean more to green. Wrong. <sighs> we got to test you for colorblindness. <laughs> <laughs> the tennis ball thing came up on a different podcast, and I have... I on am... a different podcast you're on? No. Are you, like, are you like podcast cheating on me? No. Well, <laughs> does Jason hmm. Snell's cheat on people 10 different ways? <laughs> um, man, man has, the man has a lot of podcasts. He, he really does. But he doesn't feel overexposed. He, it could have been like a tech Ryan, uh, Ryan Seacrest situation, but it doesn't. But see, if he didn't waste his time going to Chicago, he could have done another Stop productive it. podcast here. But he got to have uh, some good deep dish pizza. And That's oh, oh, that looks that looks so good. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Okay. Uh, we were discussing. I think ESPN, right? No, no, <laughs> no. You've you've doubled down on that on the lady in a can. Yeah, but after that, um. Oh, so tennis balls. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I was pretty adamant that they were yellow, but I don't, I don't really have strong feelings. I did. I have stronger feelings about the muted color of the echo being red and not orange. Orange is that's wrong. Uh, let me like the, like the the Giants. The Giants have orange. This is not that color. This is red. It's orange red, and if you had to choose one or the other, it's it's mostly orange. And no, it's it's entirely red. Well, hold on. Let's let's, let's just this, this is easy to solve. Let's see what Bezos says. So, echo mute ring color. Hmm. It's not one of the ones listed. Okay. Not one of the ones listed. Where? Uh, I do want to get to the bottom of this. So I'm I'm gonna force people to listen through this. Um. Solid God. red light. <clears throat> turned off the microphones on your device. Press the microphone button to turn on the microphones. It's red. Yeah, well, that's that's well, wrong. We'll, we'll test you for colorblindness. Uh, it's it's wrong. That's okay though. Okay, moving on. We're gonna cut that out because we're gonna cut out the part where we look it up. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. no, we'll, we'll we'll fix it all in post. Yeah. Uh, I want. I'm trying to delay talking about the Uber stuff. So, uh, let's talk about Swedish car subscriptions. Okay. So, this is vague follow up to stuff we've talked about in the past because i think we talked about canvas right which is are they are they aligned with chevrolet or ford i didn't i don't remember them being aligned to a particular manufacturer but you you have mentioned them on the show before yeah so canvas oh yeah oh they're yeah even on their homepage, it's it's a ford focus so yeah they're a, they're a, a ford company um so they do subscription car uh ownership sort of uh, by the month. So people have suggested that like actual new to people like from the factory car ownership would kind of go this way too. It looks like Volvo is one of the first people doing it. So with their new um, compact SUV, the XC40, uh, it's going to be one of the first cars offered with what's called Care by Volvo, which is a subscription that... Like the way they advertise it is not quite what it is. I mean, it's it's not a subscription that you can stop and start. Basically, it's a um, like a bundled monthly price for a fifteen thousand mile per year lease on an XC forty, uh, insurance, roadside assistance, and some type of extended warranty. And for some reason, they allow you to 
trade up to a new Volvo every 12 months if you'd like. But like car technology doesn't change often enough for that to be a real selling point. But yeah, it's not something you can start month by month. It's just a two-year lease. So I guess the the part of this that I didn't dig a whole lot into is how this would compare to a lease or a purchase of the same vehicle. Like the, the prices on this to me seem pretty high. But again, I, I mean, I know that this is a relatively nice car. So may, I don't know, maybe it's not completely out of line. Yeah, but I mean, the, X, the XC40 is supposed to be kind of cheap. It's supposed to start at like 35, I think. Hmm, okay, so this is this is pretty pricey then. Yeah. So I don't really know who this appeals to. Like, I, th- I think it's interesting because um, like, and, and I think lease for a lot of people has, it's kind of a loaded term where in the age of Netflix and that kind of stuff, people are all about monthly subscriptions. So I don't know. Kind of I weird. mean, the, the only thing I could really think of is if you were truly someone who only needed a car at certain times of the year. Like I really, I don't have any good examples of that, but. Yeah, and that's not what this is. That's 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 what Canvas. Well, is. that's what Canvas. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, this. <sighs> hmm. Because this, how how long is the term on this? Two years. Hmm. Like, yeah. Who wants, I... a, who wants a new car every year? Or, I mean, I mean, sure you might, but like, does it, who wants the the cost of that? I mean, the only other thing I can think of too is it, it's it, it, generally I don't really think getting. 36 month leases is or uh, would it be 24 month sorry leases that's i guess you can find those but those are a little bit less common so maybe if you wanted to get something shorter term this might be one of your only options yeah i don't know i'm I'm kind of i'm pulling at straws to answer your your original question I, i don't really know who this is for yeah all right well that's that uh okay fine so let's talk about uber so Last week's episode did not really age very well. Well, I feel like we threw some caveats in there. Yeah, like I mean, I, I th- well, I think we did try to be like my whole thing is like I'm I'm usually really down on Uber, and and I my opinion was, and I still think this is mostly or like this is true, which is Uber's culture problems do not necessarily extend to things that would compromise the safety and integrity of the um, projects that they work on. And I'm not really sure that's been disproven, but I think there's been a lot of doubt cast on the overall like um, like level of success that their autonomous vehicle testing and the the project as a whole has been doing. So there's a report by uh, one of Mike Isaac's colleagues, uh, Daisuke Wakabayashi, and he. Um, he wrote that based off some leaked documents that he has is that like basically there's kind of one metric, which is not the only way to rate the success of self-driving cars, but one of the key things Waymo and Uber track is kind of like the mean time. What is it? Uh, the, 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 the average average time between human interventions, no, average number of miles driven between human interventions. Miles per intervention. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Uber had, like, I think it was like a year and a half ago in the early pilot or in the early trials, it was... Um, like 0.8 miles and they've gotten it up to 13 but i think based off of the scale of the rollout that they've had i think people probably assumed that it was quite a bit further along um and just a lot of other stuff in the um 
in the week since the the crash last week i think when we talked about it there was a video that did come out um so people had a little bit more um evidence to judge off of but apparently a lot of experts that have looked at that um have suggested that most humans um would have been able to avoid the crash or at least it's it's plausible and also a lot of people have made the point that if lidar was working effectively one of the things is regardless of light source and such that it um uh should have been able to see this object because like the person wasn't like running across the street they were they were they were walking a bike across the street unsafely but that that if that was functioning as intended uh probably should have caught it right I, th- I think what's what's helpful context with that initial stat you threw out about the miles between interventions with uber is comparing that to waymo which this new york times article does which um, they say they average nearly 5600 miles between interventions which the 13 mile number seems really low and that 5600 mile number seems really high but again i think it's it's useful comparison because it shows that there is car tech out there that seems like it's it's pretty good but clearly ubers is is not there yeah and so a few things related to that are that are probably more speculative so the the investigation is ongoing and there's a whole ton of detail like there's very little official detail that's public except for like i think a couple of early statements from the local police department that said like what was the first thing they said like they don't believe uber to be at fault right but almost no investigation had been done i guess though but then there was some rebuttals to that saying that maybe some of those early comments were taken out of context i that it it's kind of hard especially now looking back on that it's kind of hard to distinguish exactly what was said yeah but in in the advent of this um uber is pulling all autonomous vehicles out uh out of california and um in a letter to the dmv they are basically not going to seek to renew the um whatever permits allow them to conduct autonomous vehicle trials in California. And they are also suspending testing in the um, three other markets that they have been trying that, which I think are Arizona, Pittsburgh, maybe, and uh, Toronto. Which, you know, oh, sorry. No, 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 go for it. I said, well, you know, and then in our, you know, our offline, online, off the air conversation, you know, off mic, mm mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about how this, I mean, and not, not, I mean, obviously the, the, you know, the, the crash and the person who lost their life in it is the, is the main piece of the story here. But when you talk about consequences from that, you know, Uber's kind of entire business model is is kind of reliant on this idea that they're eventually going to be able to eliminate the driver and operate autonomous vehicles and, you know, I, I've kind of always thought that it would be best for Uber to probably own that technology, to be the first ones there and really be able to, you know, continue to to dominate the ride sharing space, which, again, I think is headed towards this autonomous driving direction. And the idea that they're now going to scrap that initiative internally, like, I, I don't really understand where that leaves them. Wait, I'm sorry. So did you say that you there was an article that said they were scrapping it? Well, that's I mean, they well, I guess maybe I'm extrapolating on the idea that they're not going to renew their 
permit here in California, meaning that this isn't just like a short-term temporary stoppage, but now they're maybe not permanently canceling the project, but at the very least putting it on a much longer-term hiatus. So that's that's not what I'm reading into it. I, I would say that maybe this means that – well, so in, so other related news to this, NVIDIA, who makes uh, a lot of the technology that is part of um, Uber's autonomous vehicles – it has also suspended uh testing of their of their um technology but like i don't i don't think that's what that means i think that means they're either going to uh more internal testing until they can get the technology up to a level of satisfaction meaning that they would uh do stuff on non public roads so i i don't think under any circumstance uber is thinking that they that this is not the future for them or that they think they can just step back from this project. I think it just means that they need to get their house in order and they need to improve the technology to a point where there is a dramatic improvement in uh, how long the car can go without actually needing any human intervention um, and just kind of wait for it to mature. And again, they can test that on in, in, in other situations. Well, so maybe, you know, you you might be right. Maybe I'm I'm misreading into that. But even if this isn't a permanent shutdown of the program, and even if this, you know, significantly delays them, not being first to autonomous vehicles feels like a, a bad position for Uber to be in. Because now, instead of leading, they're basically going to be at the mercy of whoever ultimately develops kind of the, the standard for autonomous driving. Well, so, yeah, I'll push back on that too. I I don't think that there's going to be only one person there. Like I, I do think. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't mean to say that there's going to be one, but even if there are a couple, if if none of those is Uber, then I mean they're going to be stuck licensing this technology, and who's to say that that's going to be any less expensive than their their current model? It has to be. Like I I don't think there's any. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, but I mean, it's, it's Uber's biggest competitors that are furthest ahead in this initiative. So why would they turn around and lease this technology to them for to put them in a better position than they are today? But are they? Because there's something Way, Waymo and the Google X project like they're not they they don't have an existing rideshare service. So in terms of actual competition, they don't have it. So if somebody wants to license, let's say Waymo gets there way way faster, which they probably will. Um, and they, there's some deal and they, they end up licensing that to Uber. Why they they need somebody who has the customers like Waymo isn't just going to light up a, well, that's a good famous last words, but it seems unlikely that they would be able to somehow just activate the entire urban <laughs> population. Well, but I think you to, I mean, I, th- I think your near slip there, though, gets at exactly what I would... <laughs> what did I almost say? <laughs> you know, you, weren't you making like a original iPhone reference where there was... <laughs> the PC those... guys aren't just going to walk in? Yeah, right. I stop us. Yeah, well, but, but I think that's, that's the thing, right? Is To me, the autonomous driving part is, is the hard part here. The ride sharing and kind of the app and the service that goes around that is not the difficult part. There's nothing in the world stopping a company like Waymo once they've gotten autonomous driving where it needs to be. It's not it's not flipping on a switch, but it's it it's certainly something that they could do and take a, a pretty sizable chunk of business away from Uber, I think. 
Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, I think I think it's tricky, but like I I think that maybe that's not what they want to do. Like I I maybe if Waymo's really going on the technology side, and you want to be a provider of that technology, let's say that Uber just can't figure it out, or well, actually, and, and to not go on a tangent too far, but one of the th- things that people are speculating about related to the crash is that perhaps the lidar was actually turned off which might be related to the technology that they are not allowed to use based off of the Waymo v Uber uh stolen patents and stolen um hmm. like internal engineering documents so again none of that is verified but that is something that seems potentially likely so that is maybe one of the complicating factors there. And where I think that Waymo, like, I'm not sure they would want, because this all started as a, a spin, like it's an alphabet property that started as a Google X, like moonshot project. So do they really want to be a company that's running a fleet of 50,000 autonomous vehicles and trying to be the transaction middleman for um, like ride sharing globally? Like, I mean, like, or do they want to leave that to somebody else who maybe already has some infrastructure and, and software and stuff related to that existing business? So sure, like I don't, it is but I don't. Th- I just don't. I don't think. I don't think the infrastructure around ride sharing, particularly when you're talking about an autonomous vehicle fleet, like, I just don't think that infrastructure would be that hard to build for a company like. Well, I mean, it's not Google anymore, but I mean, you know what I mean. A Google-backed company yeah, like Waymo, but it's just I'm just not sure that's what they want to do. But, but, but why not? I mean, it's, it seems like an incredibly lucrative opportunity. What, what about all the liability? Like, just, it's like, it, I don't know, not every per, like, person or company wants to do what is maybe has the greatest overall impact. Well, but that's so the thing with autonomous driving is your liability. I mean, the liability of that business is significantly lower than the liability that Uber currently incurs. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, and my thing here too is, you know, it's not like Uber is some marginally profitable business that if they had to, they they could just kind of skate by with their current business model. I mean, they are, as has been documented on the show, losing billions of dollars every quarter. So they are on a completely unsustainable path. And so if the day comes where someone else has autonomous driving and they don't, I mean, they're they're going to be at the mercy of that company. Well, sure, and like that. Well, uh, people listen to the archives. Like, yeah, that's what that's that's what I've been saying for like three solid years. When I, I've given, um, I've given you your props on that. <laughs> when, when there was debate that they weren't pricing in a, in a, in a sketchy AF way, but um, I I just don't think they're going to be that. I, 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 to be honest, I have no idea. But I just don't think they're going to give up on this that quickly. And I think. Yeah, I, th- I think they're just going to keep they're going to keep at it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I I kicked off my part of the conversation kind of on the uh, in in the wrong way. I I think the bigger point here is even if they don't scrap the project, if they end up being far behind, that's just going to put them in a really bad position. They're kind of they're kind of basically betting the company on autonomous driving. Well, sure, because like well, the current situation is completely untenable, right? And if again, if if they're not going to be the ones that lead in that space. And they're one of their, one of their big competitors is the one that's leading it. it Oof, I still disagree that it's a competitor, though. Well, I mean, like I, it, it's a comp- I, it's a competitor on an internal project for them. Yeah, but I, I I don't know. Like I'm, 
I'm kind of surprised you think that like Google would just walk away from a huge opportunity, like potentially taking over the the ride sharing market. Because I mean, think about this too, right? Like when you introduce, because when you introduce autonomous vehicles, you're now making ride sharing possible, not just for kind of select urban and and some suburban areas, kind of like it's available in today. I mean, the, the possibilities of what you could do with autonomous driving makes ride sharing possible, you know, almost everywhere. Well, yeah, but again, so here, here's how I think this would play out. It's just that they would license all, because Waymo being a product that falls under the Alphabet corporate umbrella has a, probably a very lenient and cheap data sharing agreement with Google, which has billions of Android devices out there that are all feeding live location data back to Google. So they have the best mapping data and the best place and location data of any company in the world. And they have, I think that they have to have the most uh, autonomous miles driven of any company. So therefore, they're best positioned Waymo as a, as a technology play to be first market and do this better than anybody else. But again, they're a technology company. Like, why would they take on that ownership when they could just license out the technology and um, intellectual property to other people? Because the same company isn't going to really like run a consumer facing ride share and like taxi business and also try to replace UPS and deal with like freight and uh, like delivery services. Why would they not license that stuff to UPS and FedEx? And then if, uh, if Chevrolet and general motors wants to run their own fleet of EVs outfitted with Waymo self-driving technology and they run the car sharing or they run the ride sharing thing. Because they're the people manufacturing the cars. Yeah, but, I mean, potentially. I mean, I, I guess that could be more lucrative than just running the service yourself. But I don't know, running the service. Well, so 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 if if they run the service, then who makes the cars? Well, see, I mean, that's I think that's what they that they could just go out and, and lease. But why? I and I, I, I don't I don't know. I guess I'm speaking a little out of turn. I don't I don't know the the business side of it. You know, maybe as well as I need to, but. Because I just feel like you either take everything in-house and Waymo has already abandoned the idea. Like, remember when they made that little, like, uh, the clown car? I do remember that. <laughs> uh, pause for yawns. <laughs> uh, um, but they've already abandoned that. They're like, no, that wasn't going to work. We're just going to partner. I think they're partnering with, like, Chrysler and they have a bunch of, like, uh, weird minivans. And they're just using that to, to shuttle people around. Didn't, didn't they, just, they just announced a Jaguar today, didn't they? What'd you call it? A Jaguar? Is that not right? You're pronouncing it J-A-G-W-I-R-E. Jaguar. Do you pronounce it Jaguar? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. This must be an East Coast, West Coast thing. <laughs> oh, hmm. Okay. Are you, are you implying that I'm from the East Coast? You're from East Orange County. Yeah, the uh, the wrong the wrong side of the tracks in Orange County. Yeah, the wrong side, the wrong side of Marguerite. Yeah. Anyway, it's <laughs> getting way too specific. Um, uh, mark that down for show title. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right next to right, right next to pause for yawns. Yeah, I'm not gonna let that go. Oh, you choose not to mute. That that that's the yeah. No, that, that's, that's a risky it. run. That that's on me. We're we're not. We won't edit that out. Man, we, we might edit that out. We'll see. And also, and also, we meet, meaning the royal we, because I, I don't do any of that work. 
Uh, you you could you could figure it out. I write the witty show summary. That's that's like eighty percent of the job. It is no no. It's it's very valuable work. <laughs> it's it's the first thing that people see in the show. They see it before they listen to it, Carlos. That's what they say. That's that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. If the packaging isn't nice, nobody wants to open the iPhone box. That's right. It's a, it's an instance where people do judge a book by its cover. Oh, most definitely. Or yeah. or, a, or a podcast by its uh, description, as it were. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, so we actually kind of already talked about this, but you can put the link in the show notes. But there was a weird kind of BS contrarian article in Bloomberg about this, where the title is, Uber shouldn't even be bothering with self-driving cars. Uh, and subtitle, Why Would CEO Dara Khosraswahi Give Up the Asset Light Model? So, like, its main point is that why does anybody feel that this is a business Uber needs to be in rather than being a transactional facilitator? So why do they need a bunch of fixed assets that they now have to maintain uh, in order to run this type of service? And I, like, I think that, like, I get how you could spin that as like an informed view of their business, but I, I feel like that totally ignores the core problem that they have with their existing business model. And even if self-driving stuff becomes a thing, like, I don't think, like, is is the contention here that they would then either lease it from the automobile manufacturers, or are they going to do, like, a Tesla-style thing? Because, like, not to keep changing subjects, but didn't Tesla have a thing where they're like, oh, yeah, the Model S is going to be totally self-driving and people can just buy a tesla and it'll shuttle people around did i make that up no that's that's still that's still the plan i mean that's what tesla is working towards but how how was that supposed to work well i mean it's not supposed to work yet it's they well like in in like the elon musk like thinking 20 years ahead thing how is it supposed to work like you you buy a model s and it just makes money for you because right yeah that seems not (laughs) like do you see how that doesn't make sense well i mean i I I don't know. I mean, it, over like, why why would any why would anybody buy a car? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't Tesla just own them? Well, I mean it, that it, that that gets I think into some complicated social class issues there, where you've got you've got people who who can afford to buy the cars, who then lease the, or loan the cars to the people who can't afford cars. It's that's that gets complicated. Well, then if I feel like I'm now there's some there's some dude who lives in the Berkeley Hills. And has ten Model Xs that are all gonna drive the the plebes around. Like, I mean, I don't want I don't want it be paying for ride sharing in some rich guy's car. While I know that's making him like that that is extremely awkward. Whereas if I know I'm just lining the pockets of Elon Musk so he can go to Mars, like I I think that's fine. I don't know that 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 whole thing of people buy the cars and own them, except the cars make money for them. I just think that's super weird. If that ever happens. Well, so getting back to this Bloomberg article, like, wasn't wasn't this the point that I was making? Like, aren't 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 they saying that like Uber sort of not focusing on autonomous driving is just not a not a good thing for them? No, I think they're saying the exact opposite. So, like here, like, uh, so why bother? Uber has established a remarkable brand and dominance in many markets by keeping things stripped down as possible, including its determined resistance to treating drivers as employees. Why would it want the hassle of owning, maintaining, and upgrading a fleet? So their whole thing is that they don't need autonomous driving technology and just let other people deal with it and they just be like the dispatch service. 
Ownership and operation of the robo-taxi fleets could be left to car makers, rental companies such as Hertz, or any other enterprising business people. Another advantage is that incumbent car makers needn't lose out. Uber could still enjoy the profits, but without the burden of costly assets. But see, to me, I mean, there, like that's what I think. The, well, that, that's that's def, that's defending the Waymo example that I had. You, you're you're right, but there's there's so many problems with that, including the fact that it's not as if Uber is some beloved brand that people aren't gonna be aren't gonna give up. I, th- I mean, I think people would jump at the opportunity to use a different service than Uber. And I just I just for especially for a company like Google, I just don't think the transactional part of ride sharing would be all that difficult for them to build out. So I'm not I'm not really sure why they would just rely on Uber to do that part for them when they could just own the entire system end to end. Yeah, I th- I think that's totally valid. I just I just don't think that's the business a technology company wants. Maybe, but I just like I, like like Google could manufacture servers and they could do so much other like well, actually, I was going to say they could why would they manufacture phones, but they also do that now. But I just think it's a different. I just don't think that's their core competency, and I just don't. I I I think they're a technology company, and that's kind of the extent of what they want. So even though there's money to be made, I don't see that as being something they want to do. Maybe, but that's a. <clears throat> I guess that's kind of a a gamble that Uber's going to be taking here. Yeah. Um, and then this is vaguely related. Before we get into Facebook stuff, because this 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 is this is a weird one. So. This past weekend uh, in the South Bay, there was a Model X that crashed um, on the 101. And apparently, and, and it's unclear as to whether or not it was running in autopilot mode or not. But there was like this really sketchy, weird article in Engadget about it, where, uh, skip to the import, or to the to the reckless part. Regardless of the causes, the crash highlights the uncertainties surrounding the safety of electric cars, especially as they introduce autonomous features. Which, which, whatever, like that—that's a valid thing to say. But what on earth does this have to do with electric cars, other than the fact that there was a fire that resulted from this? Yeah, yeah. I, I, when you sent this to me, I, I had exactly the same reaction and agreed with your comment. I, I think it's a, it's a really irresponsible take to have. Yeah. Like I, I I understand that uh, electric vehicle since you're just riding, you're just it's a two ton laptop battery. Like I totally get that there are safety concerns with that, but uh, that's 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 a uh... yeah. But when you're riding on top of a 16 gallon tub of gasoline, I mean that's not exactly super safe either. Yeah, and I actually did do some research after this to like I was like, well, maybe it, how what is the rate that like traditional cars catch on fire and in automobile accidents? And apparently, there's been a lot of engineering done to make it so that it is extremely hard for a gasoline powered car to like catch fire for that reason. But still, like uh, this is this is a this is a a weird article to write, and I just think it's kind of a weird Tesla. Um, like they're having they're, they're like they have like weird PR incidents. That's not really their fault. Like I think Tesla has a lot of issues with with build quality and also with and this goes to kind of your whole looking for a car thing, which is like I think they're too cocky and invested in autonomous driving before it's fully baked. So I think that is an extremely valid criticism of Tesla, and that's was one reason why their stock has been getting hammered recently. Um. But yeah, the, the 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 safety of electric cars as a whole is, I think, just crazy irresponsible. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, we are almost out of the woods for bad news. All right. <laughs> God. Uh, well, actually, there's, 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 wait, there's no light at the end of the tunnel because after Facebook, we're talking about Apple. And yeah. So we haven't, we haven't gotten to the Apple event yet. Uh, is it, you, you can, you can look ahead in the outline and tell me if there's any happy news on this episode at all. But, uh, Facebook continues to have issues related to the Cambridge Analytica thing. Um, are you up to speed on the Android SMS and call log thing? Uh, no, I, I've, I, I, I had seen something about that, but I have no, I have not looked into the, into the details there. So on the Android version of Facebook Lite and Messenger, apparently because Android has kind of sketchy and broad uh, permissions uh, structure, which has been tightened up in recent years, but um, for a long time. You could just say, like, I want access to the phone app, and that would just give you access to all your SMS logs and the metadata around calls. So apparently, like, there was kind of like one of those deceptively written, and I know and I, I'm kind of giving a negative slant to this, but there was a, like, you know, those, those pop-ups whenever you use a new app, and it's just asking for all these permissions and telling you about the features that this thing has, and, oh, I need access to this for this reason. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there was one that was like, to help you connect better, um, we need we would like access to your contacts but that also meant that they got access to every phone call that you've ever had who it was to time and date and duration as well as the entire logs of every text message you've sent so not the contact uh the content of the messages but basically everything else and in the advent of the whole uh hashtag delete facebook thing you sort of to their credit facebook allows you to get a zip file of all the information that they have uh, related to your account and people were like well, what the fuck is this there's a big html file that has uh every every call and text uh all the metadata related to that um and you get that when you're deleting your account and people were kind of creeped out wondering what on earth is this and then facebook um on their corporate pr website released a fact check which said oh yeah you opted into this and that was basically it hmm pretty good um let me see so that's that's one of the problems but overall it just seems like the privacy angle and just kind of the cambridge analytica thing is just not dying down uh it's unconfirmed but it looks like zuckerberg is actually going to testify in front of a congressional panel about consumer data protection a whole bunch of other stuff so you can look forward to that grandstanding dog and pony show like well, this could be the show of weird pivots and digressions. But do you do you ever get like bummed out or concerned whenever like Congress is actually tackling a legitimate important issue, but you know it's going to be completely unproductive because it's just going to be some senator trying to get sound bites in? Yes and no. I, I I'm not a fan of 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 the grandstanding as as you as you would call it in public sessions but what we don't see is there generally are also private sessions where i would want to believe that there's actually productive work being done um well that's the, so wait is that part of the punishment is it like oh you're gonna get like publicly flogged tarred and feathered on c-span and then we're gonna actually do the real work once the cameras are off like that's 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 a weird dystopian type of view no i, I think it, it's more just that in a public setting inevitably answers are going to be more guarded whereas in a in a private setting that's potentially not the case 
Yeah, I don't know. My my main issue is just where, you know, like before he resigned in disgrace, like Al Franken would do the whole like kind of like he tries to pigeonhole whoever he's talking to into giving them like a, a one word answer on a question that there's no way for them to win. Like it feels like stuff like that is the gist of all congressional inquiries. Right. It just and it did, the the core issue here with Facebook and their uh, policy around data, data privacy or kind of lack thereof. <laughs> the policy is free for all. <laughs> right. Is obviously an enormous issue, but I, I think an equally big issue has been Facebook's response. And I'm not not just talking about the last week and a half, but this is an issue that they've been aware of for some number of years now. And they've done very, very little to combat it. And it's really not until they've been called out on it. Like I think Mike Isaac had some series of tweets today where he basically alluded to the fact that the reason that Facebook's kind of response today has been so bad is because they've, they've been caught so flat-footed. Like They just literally don't understand why people think this is a big deal. And now they're kind of having to fake being concerned about it, whereas they, you know, for years, kind of just let this go. I, I think that's kind of true, but I also think the reverse is true, where Facebook has, for the most part, like they've been kind of immune to, like, you know, the uh, let's start a, pet- a petition because we don't we don't want uh, non college students to be on Facebook, and uh, we don't we don't like the news feed, bring it back, and and that kind of stuff. But I think they've also kind of grown to the point where. I'm not making like I, I am on Facebook. I don't love the product and I don't use it a whole lot, but like they've had a shitty attitude and kind of a like who who cares? We we do what we want type of thing with consumer privacy forever. And I I think it might be Casey Newton who said this, but and he has in that we'll put a bookmark into that for a chef special, but like they've he I think suggested that like their response has been colored by the fact that they're wondering we've been doing this all along and not not guarding or caring about your privacy has been like the status quo for like 7 years so the response is more of a concern as like why why do you give a shit now so i can't really blame them for that because nobody's ever really cared about the like you know what the facebook pixel is right no so that is a it's it's a one it's like it's clear it's like a one pixel by one pixel tracking thing that they're able to put across the entire internet and that's one of the reasons they're so effective at um retargeting you with ads and knowing where you've been online beyond just kind of the Google ad choices and like the Google AdSense network. So like do you do you run a content blocker like do you have Ghost installed? I do. So have you ever done the thing where you see the little thing in the lower right that says how many trackers it's blocked? I occasionally peek at that, but never in much detail. So one of those will almost always be the Facebook pixel uh, on top of a whole other suite of like Facebook trackers. So like they've they've not cared about your privacy and have done everything humanly possible to gain insights uh about your demographics and your interests to sell ads against and more clearly target things against you for years and that is why facebook has been so effective and they keep uh being able to boost the cpms on what they charge advertisers and they've been increasing the ad load on their mobile site and all that kind of stuff like this is what they've done forever so why do people care now it's only because people feel like vaguely violated 
that it's like some political offense and they think there might be like some like subversion of democracy but like it, like just in a strictly commercial context like they've always done this so again why, why does everybody care now on that happy note well <laughs> well actually oh i do have a happy note um did you see the thing about the uh, facebook container for mozilla no so this should be in the document but and, and i think this honestly this is like the trojan horse that mozilla can use to get firefox like back on the radar so they have an extension where basically you can silo away Facebook like in its own container where it can't track you or know, like, because that's the whole thing. If you're logged, like if you say logged into Facebook, that's where all this data gets filtered back to your profile so that they know what to advertise against. But if you stay logged out of Facebook, none of that stuff actually works. So this is a feature of the browser that I think they just released yesterday where it just puts Facebook in its own container where it just lives on its own and it can't affect your experience on the web in other ways. Huh. And I think if uh, Mozilla is able to effectively advertise that they are the privacy-focused browser, that is actually a reason for people to go back to Firefox. Because God knows Google, like, I mean, because Chrome is, Chrome is nice. It's a battery hog, but it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty good browser and, and I like it. But you are not going to be able to count on Google, who is a advertising company primarily. They're sort of an information company, but they're mostly an advertising company, to protect your privacy and stop cross-site uh, tracking, because that's uh, most of their business. So yeah, so good on Mozilla. Yeah, I I opened Firefox for the first time in a while earlier this week because there was a a uh, uh, work website that wasn't loading that I was trying to get working and and tried it in Firefox and it, it did actually did work but I didn't I didn't I didn't love the look of it 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 seemed kind of slow I don't know so, well, well so that's the thing they, it's actually gotten way better and it's actually really fast now I because like version numbers don't mean anything anymore but apparently they had like Firefox fifty eight come out and it's much much better but for me and and I try it every few months. But like it just feels so unmac like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where and I know it's weird to think that Google is making software that feels Mac like, but somehow it does feel more native. Um so they need to work on that. Yeah, Chrome Chrome's gotten a lot better at feeling more Mac like. They actually just put an update out recently where even like downloads now look a Ugh. little more Mac like. Kind of and kind of not. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird. Um, do you, what did Tim Cook say about this? Well, so he, he, you know, he, to, to Apple's credit, before, before I kind of get into Apple <laughs> later on in the show, I, I feel like when it comes to data privacy and kind of how they've built their model and, and business model in such a way that doesn't rely on customer data, they've, they've been on the right side of history there. And I, I think recent events have sort of validated why that was a good stance to take. Um, so now, you know, he's calling on there to be um, additional privacy regulation in the wake of this whole Cambridge Analytica scandal. Um, I, I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, what he's exactly what he's proposing here, but um, he's calling for there to be some type of, of government intervention. Yeah. So, so I think, yeah, I think everything you said is true. Uh, Apple has taken a, a stance on privacy that is 
generally in the consumer's interest. I do think it's kind of, like if, if we're taking the cynical approach here, it is kind of disingenuous that he he is of course in favor of any regulation that doesn't actually affect his own business yet. Like so, eh. just mm. because like mm, I don't know that that's <laughs> again as someone who's going to be pretty hard on Apple here in another minute or two. I don't know. This is an area where I I would give them I think a lot of credit as as part of that regulation how about we put inside of it you know what's the thing where you you jam something into it hoping nobody reads it in congress not like a book report <laughs> i mean there's there's like there's like pork barrel spending where you you you, know, you slip in little um items for your district Okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. So let's get some pork barrel spending in this in this privacy bill, and let's say that if you sell a device and there's cloud storage related to it, or that's some type of integral product in the service, let's mandate at the federal level that for every fifty dollars the product costs, you have to provide one gigabyte of cloud storage. So if you're if you're selling a eleven hundred and fifty dollar iPhone ten, uh, you can't give people. It should be illegal. To only give people five gigs of storage space. Well, but that uh, I think that'd be a popular a... policy. <laughs> since since Apple is so concerned with people's privacy and secure handling of their data, maybe they should allow people to store some of that data in the cloud. You're being facetious. I'm I'm actually kind of and kind of not. <laughs> is that going to hit their margins? Because they got to protect their margins. Ugh. We're going to get there. Yeah. The fact that you can spend over $1,000 on a phone with 256 gigabytes of memory, yet you only get 5 gigs of cloud space, is so... <laughs> such a crush. Well, just, just, just go back to school and you'll get 200 gigabytes for free now. I thought in, in the world you just never stop learning, so like, just life but, is school. There, there you go. Yeah. But you don't have a .edu address, so I can't save on Amazon <laughs> student. Uh, all right. And then, and then Felix Salmon wrote a, wrote a dumb thing, and then you can put that in the show notes. Um. Yeah. Uh, lastly, before we move on to the Apple thing, uh, there was a Reuters episode. It sounds like five thirty-eight. Um. Yeah. So this the the integrity of this polling data is much better than a uh, Quinnipiac survey, because you know they're the worst. <laughs> That's the one they hate, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's like one step below a, fa- a Fox News poll. Mm-hmm. All right. But apparently, in this survey, um. Only 41% of Americans trust Facebook to uh, with, with their data, which makes sense, uh, compared to 66% of people who trust Amazon, 62% uh, who trust Google, 60% for Microsoft, uh, 47% for Yahoo. But uh, actually, where is Am- Apple in this? The whole reason I'm talking about this is because Apple scored uh, lower than I would have thought. Hmm. Anyway, um, I'm pretty sure it was around 55%, or it was kind of low. So why why do you think that per, that perception exists? Like, why do you think people are listening to this survey trust Google more with their data than Apple? Huh? Yeah, that that is a good question. Um, I my initial response would have been something along the lines of people just don't trust big companies. Like when Apple was kind of the scrappy underdog fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. they were a lot easier to trust, and now that they're kind of the big gorilla in the room people become and i think this is somewhat in a healthy way just become more skeptical now that doesn't answer the question of why people would trust google more than apple um 
I mean, I guess if I had to speculate a little bit more there, it could have something to do with the fact that rightly or wrongly, I think Google has displayed themselves or projected themselves as being more open. Ooh, actually that's, that's probably it. Hmm. Um, but again, I, I'm, I'm not opining one way or the other, whether that's actually true, but they're, they're known as being kind of the more free spirited, um, I mean, they literally, you know, have this whole just like other bets kind of category in their company where they just kind of put everything out there and then see what happens. Whereas Apple is highly guarded, which I think just makes people maybe suspicious. No, that, that that's that's really good. No, I, I think kind of the opaqueness that Apple approaches almost everything is that actually in a lot of ways, even though it, it's great for secrecy of products and that kind of stuff, I think the... Um, uh, arbitrary nature of a lot of their decisions and also the way they are so closely guarded is probably detrimental to them. That's, hmm, that's really smart. And I think, you know, maybe we'll get more into this in this Apple event from today, but I feel like more and more Apple comes across as being very disingenuous. Like, and it, which is, which is like, for me, like I, I've kind of for a long time and have said it even on this show that, I actually have kind of felt the opposite about Apple um, in the past, but it just, it feels like in more, in more recent times, they've, they've gotten away from that a little bit. Yeah. I like the word that you used, which, which is, which is much more uh, civil than the three word expression I think would also fit. <laughs> um, do you want to jump into the Apple stuff or do you want to avoid it? For no, we, we should. Yeah, we should. Okay. I mean, I, I feel... So they had an event this morning. <laughs> I feel 100% vindicated by the way that I felt last week. This, this event was so, so poorly covered. So Apple hosted an event at a high school. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this up because I don't think people know why you're, why you're angry. So Apple hosted an event at a uh, technical high school in Chicago, Um that was focused on Apple's, uh, like some new products and developments in Apple's focus on the education market. Uh, invites came out about a week and a half before the actual event. And um, with most Apple things, uh, the press and the public usually gets pretty excited about it because, you know, everybody thinks that anytime there's an Apple press event, it's basically Christmas in whatever month it is. Which, I mean, you know, a lot of people, like, I mean, I even though I'm critical of them, I think I get excited when Apple's releasing anything new. Um, so I think people kind of thought that this would be um, like the Super Bowl and, and the, the World Cup and the, the downhill skiing triathlon championship all rolled into one. And you, I believe, were fairly measured in your approach and, and kind of thought small about it. And... Um, Okay, now you can get mad. Well, I mean, this this I I said it last week, so I don't want to rehash this too much. But I think exactly what I said last week bore out. Where this was covered like a traditional Apple event. This was covered like WWDC. This was covered like an Apple iPhone launch event. And this is not what that was ever going to be. There was, I, I mean, I said it last week. There was a zero percent chance that they were going to release something like the air power mat at this event zero percent that was just not not going to happen there there was all the evidence suggested that that was not going to be the case yet it was still speculated on and still reported 
in such a way to make it sound like something like that could happen. And this was, this was going to be some type of traditional Apple event. And I just, I think it, it's, it's really, it's really irresponsible for the, for the tech media to, to cover this event that way. It, it basically, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sure the reason Apple did the event the way they did was because this education stuff, while important to maybe certain segments, which we can get more into that, would not have generated hardly any interest had they not packaged it together in an event where they knew they could sucker a bunch of media into flying out to Chicago and giving them a ton of free press. Like there, there was no reason for like, I'm sorry, but like there was no reason for like Jason Snell to go to this event or Mark Gurman. Like they're, 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 they have no business being at this event. Like it's just not in, it's not in, it's not in their, their purview really. So let me stop you for a sec. So you, you think Apple is at fault? No, no, not at all. No, I mean, I, I, I give, I give Apple, I give Apple credit. Well, because, because when you, when you say, when you say they sucker people into it, that I think. Well, I mean, I know I blame the suckers. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Apple, and if I'm going to get a bunch of free publicity for something that otherwise would get no PR, of course I'm going to do that. But it's, it's, it's the media's responsibility to determine what should be covered and like what's news and what's not news. And this, this was, this was not news. Or at least not, it was not news in the way that it was purported to be. Like CNET did a, 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 like a live show around this thing. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. I think this is, this is what irritates people about Apple is people just sort of blindly get enthusiastic about any little thing that they announce without pausing and giving it a second's worth of critical thought. Because again, like if you would have just spent five minutes thinking about this event, you would have known that there was going to be nothing consumer facing here, but that also extends to the customers. It's not just people who write about it. Well, right, but I mean, it's it's the people who are writing about Apple that are part of the problem, and that just gives more that just gives more evidence to the people who point that out. With all due respect, I do believe you are being more critical than is totally necessary. I do think that you're right in that. There should be some level of um, like a, a way that they could like moderate expectations and be like, you know what, like, hey, as as the tech press, we are like we're we're kind of experts on this, and this type of event generally does not have a lot of consumer. Like, I I believe that you no, I totally agree with your point that respected media or experts on things should use their experience to properly add like a narrative structure to like to explain why this would probably be a certain way rather than just blindly suggesting that yeah this 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 could be christmas in march so so i get that but i think it's kind of like you can't you don't don't hate the player hate the game like i mean they they need the clicks and if the if the like i know this isn't good but like if the if the if this is what the people want then I think the fact that there's a there are live blogs and we're we're, we're going back to like 2008, and we and, the, and CNET is doing a live show. Like I mean, CNET needs whatever they can get. So if if people want to watch that, then that's as long as they're not misreporting the coverage. Like I mean, that's that is what it is, and that hopefully the people who feel like they just got the the wool pulled over them, like they can then use that to inform their media consumption next time. Yeah, that's I mean that that's fair. I don't know. Like I, I do get it, and and I think for you, it's more personal in the sense that I think maybe people that you really res- 
respect and like kind of think are like are the experts on this maybe got caught up in yes yeah but i think i think people get swept up in a lot of stuff like i I just think that happens man yeah but i but i mean like i but i hold like and i i I mean i'm I'm, i think i was being maybe a little unfair like to suggest that like jason shouldn't have gone to the event at all like that's 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 not quite what i'm trying to get out there but like the way that him and mike speculated about the event that we could go on upgrade where they did their draft like like i'm sorry but like i i expect way more out of them than to think that there was any chance that something like like the air power mat could have been announced like again there there was a zero percent chance that was going to happen it had not been leaked there was no way to tie that into education like there was not leaked because it was already announced well, but 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 we've seen that even with products that are pre-announced, like when it gets close to release time, you start seeing like FCC filings, and I mean there there are there are tea leaves that are out there. Like there's the the days of Apple products being announced on a in a complete surprise are are long over, which I've I've gone on and on about on the show. All right. The reason why I'm going to be I'm going to be more defensive about this than maybe I actually need to is because if you remember last week's episode, I actually did say there was a solid chance the air power mat would get released because the thing is like i if they don't have any press events in between iphone announcement and um wwdc even though this was an education focused event i i you can you can disagree but i think there was a reasonable chance that products that were already announced and they said oh yeah that's coming early next year there's a chance where they'd be like hey here's here's kind of a catch-up uh air power mat is out now and you know what we're cutting the price of the macbook if those things were going to happen i think they would have happened then like here's the thing here's where i think you would have more ammo on this is if in two weeks there's just some uh, i should stop saying things that could be easily disproven uh if in two weeks there's a press release just like or just that the air power mat and uh a 100 price cut on the macbook air just appears on the store like so, I think a lot of the stuff that could have potentially come out is stuff that isn't ready yet. Like I, I didn't think there was going to be uh, some some new completely rethought MacBook Pro, or that they're going to be like, no, we're canceling the iPhone 10. But I do think some stuff that is minor and could have been either like just press release worthy. I think there was totally a chance it could have happened today if it was ready. Wouldn't have been the focus point of the event, but if you have a captive media audience, I think it's totally reasonable to have thought that some of that stuff could have gone out. Nothing earth-shattering, nothing that important, but could have happened. Mm. Well, we'll, we'll, this, we'll <laughs> you, di- you sound, we'll, I'm sorry, we'll, you sound unconvinced. We'll, 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 we'll disagree there, but no, I mean, no, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with any of that. There, I, I don't <laughs> think there was any chance that was going to happen today. Ugh. <sighs> All and right. and that's like the the next education event in three years. We'll we'll put a pin in this. We'll put this in the parking lot. I mean, I I I I <laughs> I, I, I am certainly no like I, what I, what I'm frustrated by here is like I, I'm a I'm a kind of an amateur when it comes to this. Stuff. I mean, I'm an enthusiast, but like I'm I'm cert- certainly someone like Jason Snell. I'm, I'm just going to continue to use as the example here. Like knows infinitely more about apple and the mac and all most things about technology like i mean he he is he's really really great with this stuff and that that's why i'm so frustrated is because if a dummy like me can instantly look at an event and go 
yeah, we know we know exactly what this is going to be. And then you have Jason going out there and speculating on stuff that has zero evidence and is just wild speculation. Like, that's where I'm just kind of like, come on, man. Like, you're better than that. Yeah, but with the, but why was why was a music service released at WWDC that has no developer tie-ins? It's because they had an audience. Well, but 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 that's a good example of what I'm getting at is that that was leaked ahead of time. Like we knew that was coming, and that's that's true of any major Apple announcement. No, but but Apple making a streaming service was a perpetual story for three years. Name me the last service or product that Apple's announced that was a complete surprise. Ping. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think actually that got leaked too. Um, no, I mean, I think, but I'm serious. Like this, the, those, those days are so gone. And like, when I mean, we're to the point now where like, we know a shocking amount about Apple products now, like we know more and more every year and there's no reason to think that's just not going to continue. So to to think that all of a sudden Apple's going to be able to figure out their secrecy problem, like that's, that's just, that's narrow sighted. Like that's it. That's just not going to happen. And 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 you and you know you talk about like you know these media sites just wanting the clicks. That's another problem with this is that they were drumming up fake interest in this new this event so that they could ensure that people were going to be interested in it. Because if they would have just called it for what it was, then people probably wouldn't have been nearly as interested. Again, see, hate player, uh, not game, or sorry, the reverse. Yeah, you, you, that, that this is the game, and you, you you can't be mad at somebody trying. I mean, you can be, can be mad, but you can't fault them. Well, okay. In the interest of everything, <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? So, so you're super mad about the event. Got it. So yeah. So, so what do you? So so I th- the one one thing that or um, a person I'll give a lot of credit here to is Mike Hurley on today's upgrade. You, and and you you called this out. Well, so hold, hold, hold on. So so before, like, what, what was actually announced? Let's just talk about that real fast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're, so, you're, um, you're right. Right. Since you're so mad about the stuff that could have been announced but wasn't and had no chance of being <laughs> announced, what actually happened was that um, there is a refresh to the, what was called previously the fifth generation or the 2017 iPad, which was kind of like a, a hybrid between the iPad Pro and the iPad Air One. Because it is basically the iPad Air One's casing with newer internals, and that was a pretty aggressively priced last year at three thirty. So they have revamped that with one generation newer processor and Apple Pencil support, and that was spun as this being the uh, they didn't say this, but the sweet solution for the education market. Because if you couple this with an i uh, with a with an Apple Pencil or a Logitech Crayon or whatever, like this is a very um, suitable and i like as the verge puts it they put it in like kind of air quotes affordable uh option for schools so that's the gist of what they released there's a whole bunch of software that's going along with it so there's an app called schoolwork from apple which is where students where teachers can assign students like certain reading and um this can now integrate with certain apps through a new framework called class kit um there's an app that apparently already exists called Classroom uh, that will now be ported to the Mac that makes it easier for uh, teachers and facilitators to to interact with Apple stuff. Um, there were some updates to iWork that have better pencil support, and we'll get to the iCloud stuff later. Okay, so sorry. Go ahead. Well, so I so I wanted to get your take 
one Mike Hurley, I thought, really nicely brought up in Upgrade today, which is sort of this just kind of uneasy feeling about how like Apple on one hand wants to claim that they're out there, you know, really, they really care about education and that they really want to make a difference in the world. But at the same time, they're trying to do so through products that are not affordable for many, particularly public schools in this country. And that that's a really weird that's a really weird dynamic. And it kind of, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about Apple being kind of disingenuous, like this, this strikes me as a really good example of that. Like I think it's, 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 it's disingenuous and it's, it's incredibly naive, I think, to think that public schools are going to, even at 329, going to go out and buy a bunch of iPads. Like, well, but, but it's not, it's, it's not 329. It because you have to add in the cost of the pencil and well, the, okay, right. the Logitech uh, case that makes it look like a Microsoft Surface. Right. I mean, like there, there are. I mean, there are many, many public schools in this country that can't even afford basic supplies, and so the the idea that Apple's going to be able to change education through, you know, which we are right at four hundred dollar bundles of hardware, like that's that's. Mm. I got it. Okay. So there, there's a lot of sides to this. Um, and one of which I don't think has really been brought up. But so, yeah, so Mike was super, he, he, and he phrased it in a really good, like in a, in a he, fl- he phrased it delicately, um, which is a complicated question to, to ask. I know. I, I actually, like I wanted, I literally wanted to write down what he said. Cause yeah, I thought it was so good, but I, I was, I was running <laughs> when, when listening to a podcast. So I, I, I couldn't, couldn't do that, but yeah, no, he, he so phrased angry. it really well. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think there's a, uh, and my, my thoughts are going to be scattered here, but I, th- I think there's probably like three main takes on this. So the first one is, and this, this, this goes beyond education, but a lot of times uh, people will say like, why doesn't Apple do something? And then s- certain people uh, with their takes will say, well, it's, t- it, that's not, that's either not the market that Apple wants to play in, or that's going to hit margins. And Apple is a very, very, very profitable company. And they have consistently had between 35 and 40% margins across all of their product lines for a very long time, which for an electronics maker is amazing. So good on them. They know how to make money. That's awesome. But I think like Mike said, and a lot, and I think a few people have commented on this, like that is, that feels disingenuous in the sense that it's tricky to have kind of to to do one thing and say another when you're committed to creating solutions that are impactful and beneficial to education uh when kind of the economic realities mean that that's not really feasible and in the past like i mean we both went to to a public school and you probably remember that like most of the computers that we had there were apple products because Apple in its earlier days was incredibly dedicated to the education market. Uh, one of the reasons, because we we grew up in the early to mid-90s, was they weren't doing too well, and education was the one market that would buy their computers. And they priced fairly aggressively for schools and were kind of all into making like custom solutions for schools. Like that, They even had certain computer models that were only available, that were basically custom designed for schools. Um, like I think the Power Mac G3. Uh, or the sorry, the Power Power Mac sixty four hundred that uh, I think, 
Orange County Public Schools had was one of those models. But nowadays, I think it's I think it is noble and appropriate for Apple to think that a more digital approach and a more holistic approach to using technology inside schools is something that's worthwhile and it is something that they should be doing but i think apple making a slightly lower spec ipad at a 30 dollar discount on a product that has probably 30 35% margins and also saying well you know what the ideal use case for this is having 30 of them per classroom along with somebody who has a mac at the head of the classroom and you also buy 30 pencils and all this kind of stuff. I think it is, there's a messaging problem when you try to suggest that that matches up with the reality of anything but elite private schools or extremely wealthy school districts, because that's just not the reality that we live in today. So you can do this, but acting like you're democratizing the, the tools of a future-proof education for all American students when you know that most people can't afford it is kind of a load of horseshit. And then on top of that, what is the part that I think is kind of less reported or less discussed is kind of the vilification of Google in all of this that kind of bothers me because they've, they've made tons of inroads um, with really low-cost uh, low Chromebooks uh, in education, and they've done a lot of that digitizing of education. And a lot of people will be like, oh, yeah, well, do you, do you want your kids to learn on some crappy $200 Chromebook or do you want them to be using uh, Apple products that have better software and they can noodle on GarageBand and, and make art? Well, sometimes public schools that don't have the federal funding they need and nobody ever wants to raise taxes to properly fund education, uh, education need to go with whatever gets them closer to that goal. And in that case, Google has actually done a fairly terrific job at helping with that. But sometimes in communities that pride design and experience over results will feel that Apple products are better for that and that Google is just shipping crap to schools and that the iPad is a, is a better experience. Yet there's this place where the minds won't ever meet, or at least the budget won't meet the idealistic experience. I think that's all very well said <sighs> the google thing pisses me off i don't know man the what the the opinion towards them well, that just the fact that like uh, that uh anytime chromebooks or google's involvement in education is brought up that it's always in like in this super derisive way yeah mm-hmm. like that like that they're like they're not doing anything and they're like oh, thank god apple's coming in to save people well if you if apple actually cared they would maybe think like you know what we are an insanely profitable company, and oh, we one of our we we were involved in some of the most wealth like or like the United States is a really important market to us, and we think kids are the future. So therefore, we're going to give more than a thirty dollar discount to schools to use our technology to shape the the upcoming generation of minds. Like I mean, come on, or 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 don't act like this. This is for everybody. That's cool. If you just want to say this is for rich kids in Redwood City, cool. But but don't pretend like it's for everybody. We joke a lot about the kind of the whole T word 
circle thing here, but what you're bringing up about certain people's views towards Google and Chromebooks and education, that that's, that's the T word circle thing at its absolute worst. That's a very techie elitist kind of view that is just completely out of touch from what most people would see, uh, which is that Chromebooks are incredibly useful in the classroom and the affordability of them has made technology accessible to so many who would otherwise not have it. Yep. And like, again, I, I have no doubt that the Apple stuff is better. Of course, of course, but that's not, there has to be like either Apple gives a little bit and is like, you know what, for the good of the country. Like, I mean, like, I know that's really tough to spin because like maximizing shareholder value and all that kind of stuff, but like, that's something they're willing to do. Like Cisco, like uh, like a week ago, said they're going to donate fifty million dollars to try to put a dent into the homeless crisis in in the Bay Area. Like there's things companies can do to to like be good corporate citizens. And I'm not saying that Apple needs to give away free iPads or they need to to lose money on everything they sell. But if that is if that is your stated goal, there are things that you can do to make your actions and messaging and the vision that you see for the future actually add up. So I, I, I'm going to link to, um, I've, I've brought up this, um, this Obama um, speech before. Um, and I think I completely bungled it the first time that I tried to bring it up, but I, I've got it pulled up in front of me now that where he went on about sort of why government can't work like Silicon Valley. And I, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. you know, um well can you send me the link uh yeah yeah well i'll I'll put this in the thing here um and there's there's a specific passage here that i kind of want to get at which is yep but the reason i say this um is sometimes we get and this is in reference to just kind of talking about silicon valley versus the government and how the government can't run like silicon valley um is i think in in the scientific community the tech community the entrepreneurial community the sense of we just have to blow up the system or create this parallel society and culture because government is inherently wrecked. No, it's not inherently wrecked. It's just government has to care for, for example, veterans who come home. That's not on your balance sheet. That's on our collective balance sheet because we have a sacred duty to take care of those veterans. And that's hard and it's messy and we're building up legacy systems that we can't just blow up. Yep. And, you know, that that gets at exactly like what's wrong with Apple strategy here, which is thinking that they can just come in and completely change the way that a classroom works. That's just, that's not, that's not possible. On this quote, this is, this is one thing, actually, no, I'm going to let it go. There's a parallel to this that, that applies. It's like stuff like chariot and, and I, and, and uh, where people think like that, you know, like uh, public institutions and things like public transit well you know like the the free market can just replace that but the free market doesn't actually care about um providing service to people with disabilities or protecting a lot of the stuff that makes a functioning society like if you you let the free market decide there's a lot of people at the periphery that will not actually benefit from that system and i think that speech is actually something that that uh illustrates that extremely well and it also makes me really sad because this is not anything that will get said in the, in the next three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is very true. That's pretty much it, I think. Oh, there was one other. Well, oh, there's two other quick things about this, and I know we're running long. 
the iCloud storage bump, which I feel like is just, I get why it happened. And it's, I, I'm not going to say it's bad, but it is also like, it just, it, it calls attention to something that's already messed up too, where iCloud accounts that are related, that, that are issued through school uh, will have 200 gigabytes of storage space instead of five gigs, which awesome. But like I brought up in the opening, like that, that just isn't enough. And that's another thing where Apple's got to protect those margins. So therefore a company that sells ultra premium devices that the average selling price of an iPhone is like $780 uh, can't be bothered to get more than five gigs of storage space. Weird stuff like that. Yeah, that's the, it's bad. And then the last part is something actually, I think I might've excised from the version of the show notes I gave you. Um, Tim Cook, I, I have a question for you. Do you, how much of the company do you think he understands? Oh, I, I think he understands the company really well. Or well, because I, I was I'm trying to figure out how to how to ask this question. Like he just to me, it doesn't. I don't. It doesn't seem like he necessarily has the holistic Apple vision or the like the depth. Like he's not like he, he just doesn't feel like he's in the trenches on the product. Do you think that's off base or do you think that's partially true? I think that's partially true, but I don't think it was ever pitched otherwise. Like he, he's never really been a product guy. But do you, but do you think that is informing the way Apple continues to work and maybe the uh, less successful parts of Apple as of late? Hmm. Like, cause even though, like, cause that's the problem. Like, cause I, uh, uh, what's his name? Steve Jobs was like just so incredibly product focused, and a lot of times that's why he had to rely on people like Tim Cook, who were exceptional like operationally. But like, it feels like I I don't think if you had to ask Tim like unprepared to kind of like give like a grander vision or like explanation of why certain like certain product lines are progressing in a certain way or why things are the way they are, I think other than just driving the bottom line he probably doesn't have a great answer to that. And I've just been thinking, I think that has to do a lot of why Apple is kind of in this weird spot, not just with like education stuff and not just like with weird products that keep getting ever more expensive, but I, I, I don't know. I haven't having weird feelings about that. Mm. Uh, we'll let people uh, stew on that though. All right. Um, we're running along. Do you want to pick any kind of quick hits in the kind of, like entertainment stuff we have. I almost kind of feel like I want to roll uh, downlink, which is a great name. I love that. No, we're, def we're definitely no, using no, that. No. <laughs> we, this can't have a name because then it really looks like we're ripping off our favorite show. I think what I really want to do is, is like save all of those. And as, as you would say, bundle them into uh, next week's show. I think there's a lot of good stuff there and I, I don't want to rush over any of it. Okay. All right. So then we're jumping into chef specials. Uh yeah, let let's do it. Um I don't, I don't really have one this week. Um but I um I'll I'll kind of pull out um I'm sure that at one point or another this was back in our pick of the week days. Um uh, Google Maps for iOS. I've kind of rediscovered it lately for navigation. I I've I've been a long time Waze guy, but have been getting a little irritated at ways lately where it's it's just it's ultra aggressive with trying to route you in kind of these these weird directions which sometimes work really well and that's and that's why I've I've used ways a lot but sometimes you know you'll 
make 18 extra turns to save like a minute and a half. Like it just, it kind of takes you on these, these crazy routes. So I, I've really been wanting to give Google maps a try to see how it compares. And it's just, it's got a lot of stuff that ways doesn't, I mean, the, the user interface obviously is a lot cleaner. The, um, lane guidance is really great. So when you have a turn upcoming, it will tell you, uh, which lane, um, you need to be in. Um, just overall it, it and it's it's a really it's a really good user experience whereas Waze has always been a little clunky and from what i can tell google seems to also be maybe a little bit more accurate with etas like Waze, Waze is super aggressive Waze is like very aggressive a, yeah it's like if you drive like a jerk you're going to get there in 28 minutes or google is always right at like 31 minutes exactly yeah exactly so i you know i i'm still going to I don't think I've given up completely on Waze, but um, I've I've been kind of sticking with Google Maps for the last few weeks now, and I've been I've been pretty happy with it. Good. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, you can always tell when Waze is trying to route people certain ways because you always see like it's just a trail of eight people on an on uh, on an off ramp that they totally shouldn't be on. It's good. Um, so I have uh, one real chef special and one jokey one. So I'm going to send you the jokey one first. Which I I assume you saw this because Darth had a good follow up tweet to this. <laughs> I did, yeah. It just makes me happy because wasn't Giuliani? So we should explain this. It's it's Rudy Giuliani uh, using AirPods as though like they were Q tips he broke in half and just jammed in his ears. Um, but wasn't he like one of Trump's front runners for like cybersecurity or something like that? Uh yeah, he he was, yeah. Yeah, and then his his website was running like unpatched versions of software from like eight years ago. So that was good stuff, but yeah. So this is this is just this is this is the fun we needed uh, that this week was lacking. So it's good times. And somebody photoshopped uh, Keanu Reeves on one of them. It's, it's really <laughs> um, all right. So my real one is actually something I just emailed you. So this is kind. I, I had to qualify this. This is kind of a next drafty type of recommendation. It's not nearly as good. Like the next draft is like. The what is the the goat thing people talk about the greatest of all time yes like it, it's it's that like but this one is good especially in the age of all this Facebook news it's called the interface which is a nightly newsletter about social media and a lot of it focuses on Facebook so if you ever kind of struggle to get context and know what's going on with social media in general or like the privacy questions surrounding Facebook this is a brief and like timely roundup of facebook related news and it's not a must read every day and it's not really that funny but it's very good still and also if you follow casey newton on twitter he's 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 pretty funny i have i have put this in the notes yeah yeah i think that's it yeah big media show next week indeed